the wind's probably blowing 40 miles an hour. You know, it's just windy and it was it was pretty, pretty warm wind. And I saw about 100 yards away, I could see a deer feeding in the trees. And again, relatively new to whitetail hunting, but I've never seen them keep their head in the dirt for that long. everybody welcome to the hoyt bow hunting podcast i'm your host danny ferris with my sidekick evan williams and today we have tyson yates from easton on the phone with us and uh he had we're going to talk about quite a few different things we're going to talk about easton a little bit we're going to talk about some of their new arrows and their their lineup that's coming down the pipe but uh tyson had a, a really crazy thing happen he had a really crazy thing happen to him in Kansas this year. And we're, we're going to talk about that a little bit. And it's funny, Tyson, because I had a really crazy thing happen to me in Kansas this year, too. But I don't think it's quite as crazy as what happened to you. Mine's sad. It makes me cry. Um, yes. Yeah. I don't bring tears to your eyes. I don't yeah, know if I sure. want to talk about it because. I don't like situational awareness was not well, in that, play that's for Danny. Part of it. You know, you got to find those conversations people don't like to talk about. I'm all about it. Maybe we'll switch the interview around. I'll dig. I'll dig it. You'll see if we can get some tears on the way. Podcast. I, I thought you were marketing. You so, have a psychology major it. or something like it. that I'm for it. Uh, no, not, not, not anything close. <laughs> Somehow they gave me a couple different degrees, but I'm still not certain what I learned there. So, <laughs> well, right on. Well, um, uh, you know what? Um, I was just telling Evan a little while ago, we're kind of in the we're we're shooting an episode of Bowhunter TV out here at my place right now. And we came in in the middle of the day to do this. And I want you to I want you to understand how important this podcast was. No, he doesn't this, want to this rush you, very he wants to rush to me, Tyson, to talk to you because <laughs> we did. We left a big one out there, man. This deer, we call him Gimpy. He's got a bad limp. My buddy's son found him uh about a week ago and we just relocated him this morning and and when my buddy's son found this deer he he just knew that it was a big big buck that had a limp but he it was so far away he couldn't really identify exactly what he was well today we got good video of him and everything he's just he's on a property that we can't get on and it, all he's got to do is come a a couple hundred yards in the right direction and and we're on him but this deer has his backs have just enormous deep splits and then both g3s are evenly uh like he's got kickers coming off of both g3s but they they split evenly and uniformly and it's a deep fork like I, i'll bet the the kicker on both sides has got to be six or seven inches long and he's just oh, well. when he's sticking up there, he's just like, oh, I just oh. So I'm going to focus on our conversation and not that buck. But as soon as we're done, I'm going to run out this door super fast <laughs> after that doggone well, thing. I have to do things like this in order to be interesting enough to talk to you, Danny. So oh, you know, if no, dude. if it wasn't for this, you wouldn't be sneaking away from your deer hunt. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's actually not me i don't have a tag my buddy oh, uh, my buddy's son has a tag so that's another reason that i'm here it's not my tag 
Well, now that's sometimes that's more fun. You don't have any pressure when it's not your tag. Yeah. The pressure's on something else. Yeah. Yeah. Pressure's on pressure's on him. Yeah. And that's exactly to get the right. footage. Yeah. It's, it'll be, it'll be fun, but let's, uh, so before we get into this crazy Kansas story, um, you guys just recently launched in you for your, your new product line for 2023. Yeah, we, we do new product product every November, um, and had a couple new arrows this year, one on the traditional side. Um, I believe it was last year we came out with the carbon legacy arrows, a a trad style arrow, uh, six and a half millimeter diameter. This year we launched a new arrow, um, that's a five millimeter, uh, ax or either the same, same diameter as an axis arrow, but it's uh, in that carbon legacy family. It'll be the, the Fred Eichler, uh, signature series. So he's, he's doing some kind of fun marketing behind it. And, uh, you know, we're, we're looking forward to see what we can do there right on, on the track. Side. Are those kind of interesting? Oh, go, go Sorry. ahead. Well, it was kind of interesting because, you know, in the trad world, we'd kind of started to lose a little bit of our momentum. And and as soon as we came out with that carbon legacy era last year, I mean, I, I believe we've had a couple competitors drop out of the, the trad world. Um, just we just kind of hit on all cylinders. The price was right. The look was right for those trad style hunters. So we just wanted to build on that a little bit. And we're, we're really looking forward to see what it'll do this year. Awesome. And now I'm not a traditional archer. I mean, I. I love shooting traditional archery. I, I actually like shooting trad bows more than I do compound bows for sure. You know, um, but I've, I, I guess I'm just not brave enough to hunt with them. Um, I have hunted with them in the past and did fairly well. Like the first three animals that I shot at, I made good shots. And then things just fell to pieces. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> well, well, once you hear that, I've always wanted to hunt with a trad bow. You know, I'm like, I'd be cool to, you know, kind of a bucket list item. Like I want to kill an elk or something with a trad bow. Yeah. And this is probably the only hunt that I could have mustered up some form of success with the trad bows. <laughs> so, in hindsight, I wish I'd have had one in my backpack or something because uh, I could have could have registered a kill with a trad bow on this one, I think. Yeah. No, that that's, that's super cool. But, uh, so me not being a, a trad guy, I'm not intimately familiar with the, the trad line. Um, I know that some of the arrows that I uh, that I used back when I was shooting a trad bow for a little while were feather fletched. Um, mm-hmm. And I know that there's been this big new craze with with trad veins here over the last few years. Um, so what, what are these fletched with? These are fletched with a feather fletched helical. They come, you know, out of the box helical fletch, which is big for the trad guy. Absolutely. Um, out of the box accuracy with fixed heads. That's what most of these guys are shooting. Um, you know, I think a big part of what it comes down into the trad world is the look. Yeah. So yeah. this comes with our patented head insert. So you don't see any sort of external component on the end of the arrow right uh, it's a dark teak wood finish with a kind of a white crested back end so it's a it's a very sharp looking arrow which i think specifically in this realm of trad archery they they really care about that aesthetic right and i think our our design team and, and product guys really nailed it with it um, and, and it's a, it's a, it's very straight for a trad arrow. I mean, it's a three thou straightness and I'm not aware of any, any arrow wood grain arrow on the market that is advertised as anything more than a six thou. Okay. So we wanted to kind of have an elevated, hmm. uh, you know, uh, arrow that way, as far as straightness is concerned. 
And it's, it's my belief that, uh, this will also be really big in that, that bare bow community, you know, on the target archery side. Um, I actually right behind me have a new Hoyt Stratus. I'm going to shoot, uh, I heard, you know, the Olympics might go to, to, to the 2028 Olympics. So I'm shooting my first tournament in Vegas this year and, um, you know, watch out, uh, Mike Slosher, Steve Anderson. Um, you know, I, I think, I think I'll register a score somewhere above 200. Right um, so, you know, we, we should be sitting all right, but I, I think that bare bro, bare bro community and competition is growing really quickly. Yeah. And we feel like this, uh, you know, this trad style era will do well, you know, from a competitive standpoint, even um, with some people wanting to pick that up for the more traditional look um, in bear competition, especially internationally. I hate to admit this, but um, I am, uh, I care about the aesthetics on my arrow a lot. Like there's (laughs) been time I've had some very Mm -hmm. deep discussions with Gary about, you know, what that arrow need to look like. And I love a white crested look, uh, even on my, on my compound arrows, just, mm-hmm. you know, it saves me from having to put a wrap on there, you know, makes them yep. show up. You know, I, I'm, I'm a colorblind bow hunter and I, you know, it's colorblindness is a misnomer because you're not actually blind to color. You're just, you don't see color as vividly as people with normal color, color vision. So when I go recover an arrow, number one, I feel like that, white crested, you know, is a wrap on the back or something helps you locate that thing in addition to maybe a lighted knock. Um, and, but once mm-hmm. you have it like to determine where exactly you hit and to be able to see everything on it, it's extremely valuable to me, you know? And, yeah. and I just, I feel like if it, there's been a couple arrows in the past that had a really cool white crest at the end. And I, I, I flock to those things every time that I see them, you know, um, yeah. you, you know, what's fun with, with archery and you know, I'm sure you see it, Danny, Evan seen it in his years at Hoyt is everything kind of comes full circle. Yeah. You know, there was a time we were cresting axis yeah. arrows and then we had two part numbers, one, one crested, one uncrested. Nobody wanted to touch the crested one. It went from everybody wanted it to if it had a crest, I don't want it. Now people like crests again. So, you know, it's, there was four fledged arrows. I mean, I think I was looking at a history wall at Easton and it was like a 1950s, you know, an early fifties original aluminum arrow and they were doing four fledged then. Yeah. And then it goes away and then you see it come back again in like the eighties and now it's back again now. So, you know, maybe uh, I'm new to the marketing thing, but maybe, maybe the marketing folks are on something. They just kind of switch the trend every couple of years. Yeah, that's, that's exactly (laughs) right. I, I don't know if it's the marketing folks that switch it or whether they just push you guys to meet it. You know what I mean? <laughs> like I think it's I think it's archers in general. I mean, I one thing that too. we all love in archery is we like to tinker, we like to change things around, and you know, it's it's part of what makes it fun. Yeah. I think it's part of the experience for a lot of people. Um, you know, changing arrow setups. You know, even if even if guys don't buy a new bow, you know, they want something new. They want to try a new a new dozen arrows, or they want to uh, you know put brass inserts in their arrows. So you know, we we we. Uh, we recognize that's part of the experience for a lot of bow hunters. And, and, uh, I'm, I'm probably a little less on that side of things. I get so busy, yeah. you know, with work, I talk arrows all day. When I get home at night, I don't want to go tinker with my bow anymore. You know, I completely <laughs> I understand. Shoot and call it a day. Yeah. <laughs> completely understand yeah. that. Um, 
Well, let's uh, tell you what, let's talk about this crazy Kansas hunt that happened to you. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So, so this, you know, what was interesting is my second time, uh, excuse me, my third time whitetail hunting. uh, First time I shot a a really small eight point, I kind of did like a little bit of a, I don't know if it was a do it yourself hunt, but a friend of mine had some property in, in North Dakota and I, I killed a small buck. It, it's like negative 34 degrees. Oh. And I'm like, you know, these whitetail hunters, they're next level. And when you're, when you're sitting still in that kind of temperature, there's no way you can be warm, but that was my first experience whitetail hunting. And I um, guess I was dumb enough to try it again the following year and didn't kill anything. That was last year. And then uh, this year I, I had the opportunity to go out to, uh, to Kansas to a, an outfit that, you know, folks here at East and have hunted for maybe, you'd know, Evan, I don't know, um, 15, maybe plus years. Yeah. 20, probably 20 ish years in that, in that 2003, 2004. I mean, you're you're looking at photos on the wall of, uh, you know, Greg Easton, um, you know, probably as a mid thirties, you know, guy with, with a buck and, and, uh, you know, it's really cool kind of be part of that, that culture there and that, and that history. But, Hunt kind of started off a little bit slow for me. Um, when when were you there, Tyson? Oh gosh, um, you know I don't know. I'd have to look at a calendar. I think it was the first week of November. Um, okay, I believe it was the first week of November, and then and then basically I came home from a week of hunting, and then I had a two week trip to Europe for for East and going to some to a few different tournaments and things. So. It was it kind of time got blended a little bit where I haven't hardly been home since, but uh, I, I believe it was the first week of of November, and we got out there. Temperatures were warm, um, you know, it was pretty windy, and uh, the first couple of sits, I didn't see a, a single deer. And uh, one of the guys in camp, I think it was about an hour and a half into his first sit, uh, he, he killed a really nice ten point guy in our engineering department, Ryan Dial, killed a beautiful buck. And, uh, I just kind of set, you know, stayed in my stand. I couldn't have shot anything, you know, and they put me in this, in this stand basically where it's a big field that they call it the pinch point. There's, there's a big field that kind of narrows down with two rivers, kind of a creek and a river that come in and, and funnel the deer. Um, you know, unless they want to cross one of the rivers, it funnels them right through this, this lane. So I'd sat there for a morning and an evening. And then that morning, that next morning, a, a, a smallish eight came in and I, he was in for about 20 minutes. I, I'm new to whitetail hunting. I don't know how to field judge him very well. I'm pretty good with mule deer and elk, but I was sitting there sending pictures to anybody who was awake at 6am or I don't know what time it was. You know, <laughs> Would you shoot this? Would you shoot that? And I was getting everything from absolutely shoot it to no, let it grow up. So I, I ended up you know, letting him walk. And I'm sitting there thinking, well, I'm going to go home empty handed. You know, that's, I think I learned it from my dad. You know, you, you pass up deer and until you go home and then you go home and yeah. go back in the next year. You know? Yeah. So it, it, it's um, now that, so that next evening I, I you pass that deer. Um, and then that morning, right after that deer left, I, I had a coyote come in and I was like, ah, that's interesting. You know, I wonder, wonder what he's, you know, around here for, I heard him barking kind of close, you know, there's quite a few of them. I'm like, they're only a couple hundred yards away. Right. But I didn't think much of it. Right. So I went back to that same stand that night. And as I'm walking in, 
the wind's probably blowing 40 miles an hour. Oh yeah. You know, it's just mm-hmm. windy and it was, it was pretty, pretty warm wind. And I saw about a hundred yards away, I could see a deer feeding in the trees. Mm-hmm. And again, relatively new to whitetail hunting, but I've never seen them keep their head in the dirt for that long. Right. <laughs> you know? Right. Just head I down the entire this- time. Yeah, the head was down. It just was standing there still. And I'm like, boy, there must be something good that thing's eating right there. Yeah. You know, and and probably everybody online is gonna gonna say, Oh yeah, Tyson's an idiot from Easton. He should have known. Probably am. Go ahead and take your shots now. <laughs> I don't know. So I, I kind of like I'm like army crawling, you know, so I don't scare this deer and it's windy. I'm like, hey, he's not gonna hear me. Yeah. So I get about halfway up the ladder, you know, tie my bow to the string, get about halfway up the ladder, and I look and that deer still feeding there. I'm like, this is unbelievable. Yeah. Like, okay. How, how far from the stand is he? He's probably a hundred yards, but okay. it's thick, pretty thick trees, pretty thick brush. Um, I could see like the top of his back, you know, and butt. And that was about it. Could you not, could you not even tell that whether it was a buck or a doe yet? No, no. The undergrowth was too high. You know, right. you couldn't, I couldn't even see its head or. You could just tell it was a deer, right? Yeah. I could see the upper half of its body. And again, relatively inexperienced in the whitetail world, I kept thinking that looked like a big bodied deer, you know, and I, I always hear whitetail hunters talk about, you know, the body, they're kind of obsessed over the body size of the deer. Mm-hmm. I don't hear that quite as much in the old deer country. You know, we kind of focus on what's on top of the head. Yeah. But, uh, you know, so I keep looking at the body, I'm like, gosh, that looks like a big, big deer. Yeah. You know? So I get to the top of the tree and I, I pull my bow up. And as soon as I got my bow up, I'm looking, trying to see that deer. Cause I wanted to see if I could put horns on it and I couldn't see it anymore. And I was like, I must've, he must've must looked up while I was pulling my bow up and, you know, kind of got out of town. So I sit down and, and kind of just start, you know, doing what you do. White telling yeah. I just try to keep warm and sit there. Yeah. And, um, probably about an hour and a half after I sat down, I'm still kind of looking at that area off to my right. And I see that deer again, like appeared out of nowhere. <laughs> I was like, huh, it's still got its head down. Like this, this is really good. At this point, I'm like, how much time's gone by since you <laughs> snuck in and everything? You know, I'd probably been in the stand for an hour or so. At that point, hour, hour and a half. Okay. Uh, It was still pretty early, like maybe, you know, maybe it's six o'clock or so. Yeah. Um, I think it was getting dark. I remember right around seven, seven thirty. Yeah. So maybe it was an hour or so into the sit. Yeah. But uh, so then I have my binoculars out and I'm looking at this thing and I'm like, gosh, the the cape on that thing, like his whole back was kind of tore up a little bit. My God, that deer looks kind of rough. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And and I'm watching and it wasn't moving for probably 10 minutes. And then I see it back up. And I'm like, okay, something's not right. So I don't know weird. what it is. Yeah. But it, it just it's almost like your mind's playing tricks on your eyes and you're you're seeing something, but you can't really explain what you're seeing. Right. And then he backs up probably, I don't know, 30 or 40 yards, just backs up. And it looks like he's I mean, in hindsight, it looks like he's dragging something by his antlers. Right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so he's backing up, dragging something. And I'm, I'm looking out, you know, looking out the tree and I'm like, huh. And, and finally he drags it into like a little bit of less brush where you can kind of see, and I could just see glowing antlers. Yeah. 
So at that point, I know that it's a buck, but I still can't tell what it's doing. Yeah. You know, I thought maybe, you know, it's like a cat with its whiskers cut off. Maybe he's just like <laughs> got hit by a car and he's kind of loopy or I don't know. Right. So after he drags it probably another 10 yards, and I've probably been watching it for 20 minutes at this point. Yeah. I, I, I can see there's a, there's a deer on the ground. Wow. So probably three minutes of looking through my binoculars, like that is a deer. It's hooked to another deer. He locked up. He's locked up. You know, oh, it was, was kind of like this with slow... another deer. He wasn't. He, oh. I, I thought for a second you were going to say he was like horning a dead deer or something. No, he his antlers were locked over another deer. Oh. And all I, I could see like a brow tine kind of up over the nose of the one deer. And not a brow tine, excuse me, his main beam kind of up over its nose. Yeah. And I I could see that it was certain. I mean, there was no movement. Right. From the ground. Right. So I'm like, he's he's locked up with a dead buck. And he was at that point probably 70 so oh, 70 or so yards away. Yeah. For a second. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> 40 mile an hour wind. I'm not you know, promoting and advocating that shot. I'm just joking. <laughs> all right. For for everybody that just like jaws hit the floor. <laughs> so so I'm you know, I'm 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 I, I think I'm still just confused more than anything at that point. And so I, I texted the guy, you know, the, the outfit that we were on. And I said, Hey, <laughs> I should go back and read my exact text. Cause I said something like, Hey, Marv, one, one deer dead, other deer hooked to <laughs> other deer. Yeah. And I shoot it something like that. <laughs> and, and we kind of joked in camp. I don't know if you do this, Danny, but you almost, um, you almost uh when you're hunting your texts are like cryptic do you do that uh yeah i'm i'm definitely more short yeah, form, very uh while i'm hunting you know and I not, don't know why, why do we do that <laughs> a lot of times because you don't want to be looking down at your phone and yeah, maybe and doing that forever you like you know you're you're just summarizing really quickly and not elaborating in depth on things, you know, or you're just taking the vowels out. I guess it depends. Becomes S E N D H L P. (laughs) I feel like I've written, I I mean, I've definitely written magazine articles in a ground line before, like, especially when I'm water hole hunting, like antelope hunting, I've written, I I could have written books while I'm, (laughs) Antelope hunting, you know what I mean? But that's a different deal, you know. It, like, yeah, the sweat would damage the pages though if you're doing it yeah. uh, antelope hunting. Yeah. So you got to get on an iPad or something. Yeah. <laughs> but I, you know, like when I'm in a tree stand and stuff like that, yeah, I I don't want to be focused on my phone that long. So yeah, I do shorthand a little bit. So I mean they, they kind of gave me a heart. I'm seeing if I can pull up my text here. <laughs> well, let's see. Oh well, well. He he knew he was going to get it over this. Oh, here so we go. He deleted it. Here, oh. here we go. <laughs> okay. No, I got it right here. Buck fighting across creek killed the other buck, and they are locked up. Can I sneak in and kill the buck that's alive? So he thought. He probably thought you shot one of the bucks yeah. that was locked up, and that's now exactly you want to shoot thought. the other buck. That's exactly <laughs> what he thought, and he said, "No, you can't shoot that. You can only shoot yours." <laughs> And I said, I didn't shoot. Two bucks are locked up. 
one is dead already, so other can't get away. <laughs> I can hardly read my own message. And this is the classic stuck in the yeah. fence book. Oh, yeah. So we went back and forth with three or four texts, and he's like, have you shot your bow yet? I'm like, no. The deer was already dead. He's like, well, yeah, you can shoot one deer, so go shoot your buck, right? So I, I got down, climbed down out of the tree stand. You know, the wind's still blowing crazy. And uh, it was, there was a crick in between the deer and I, and it was, it was a little over waist deep. Um, and it was kind of this stagnant, gross. I know, ex- oh. I know exactly what it looks I'm like. <laughs> I can picture it in my head. You know the stand, probably, Kevin. So I, I'm the type of hunter, like when I, when I see something, like everything in the world zones out and it's like, buck, yeah. there. Like, yeah. I probably would have swam across a lake you know, with my bow strapped to my back thinking I got to get to this thing. So yeah. I, I crossed the Creek and, you know, at that point there's, that's why I say, I wish I would have had a, a trad bow because at that point, you know, most of the skills kind of out the window Yeah, yeah. and uh, I, I stopped at like 31 yards and shot him mm-hmm. and I hit him good. And he, he kind of whirled around, but he's, he's hooked to a 250 pound deer on the ground. Right. Yeah. He whirled around, he drug it probably, a couple of steps and I, I quickly shot him again. And, and that one, I mean, he, he was almost immediately expired, yeah. you know, at that point. Right. And, uh, you know, I, I ended up actually, when I looked up, I could see that Marv, the guy I was hunting with, he was two hundred yards away. He was like, I, I got to see this. <laughs> I got to see what's going on over here. Yeah. yeah. So, he, he came in and, you know, we went back and we took, I, I took some pictures then and took video and I actually FaceTimed my dad and brother um, at the, at the kill site, you know, yeah. and they both, it was pretty cool. We've, I've hunted with them since I was, you know, four years old. So yeah. it was cool that as I was approaching those deer, actually, I was FaceTiming them crossing the river, oh, you yeah. know, I was had my phone above my head and they were at least kind of there to, to, to celebrate the, the, the recovery. But, uh, it, it, uh, it ended with, you know, we ended up having to call, we called the game warden immediately right, and right. told him what had happened and, uh, scheduled the time. He told us to leave the deer there. So we left the deer there, went and got dinner and then came back with him that night. He kind of performed a, uh, I don't know if it's an interview or an investigation before we went in, you know, he talked to me, Hey, how many times did you shoot? And I'm like, I shot twice. And he goes, did you hit different deer with those arrows? I said, no, I only hit one deer. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, I just yeah. shoot twice. I said, cause he was still standing up and he was about to shoot a third. Get, get a third. <laughs> arrows in the quiver don't and deliver. Then, and I told him, I said, I work for an arrow company. So I was okay. I would have shot, I'd have shot six of them. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't yeah, yeah. I don't pay for my arrows. Uh, like, I, 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 I'd have kept slinging them through him. I, I wasn't worried about that. Yeah. And again, I think it's just in my nature, you know, you shoot. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Shoot till they're, you know, till they're down. Yeah. Yeah. If you hit one, you know, I'm, I'm going to shoot, shoot till I'm out of arrows or it's, or it's, or it's down, you know? Right. So it, it, uh, kind of, he, he came out and went out there and he investigated that, that deer pretty good, but the deer had, had probably, I mean, he, he smelled, um, about half of his hind quarter was eaten by mm-hmm. coyotes, coyote. yeah. which yep. kind of brings me back to the first of the story. I'm almost certain that coyote I saw that morning 
had been yeah. eating on that dead deer. Right, right. Or or knew it was dead and In was area. wanting yeah. to go eat it, and the other one was dragging him around still. Yeah. Yeah, and they, they must have been hung up for a while if that other one mm-hmm. was already dead. What a terrible he, way he to go. He was already dead, and he was stinking. You yeah. know, so oh, I, I figure it had been at least dead. It was pretty warm, but at least a, a, a day and a half, two yeah. days. Oh, God. Um, so my question is, did, uh, you know, like I've known guys who have shot one like that before um, and or, you know, was, I think I knew somebody that came in with a buddy and they both they shot up. both of them. Okay, I got, um, got a buddy and his dad and the then, same thing. And then also people that have found two deadheads that were locked up like that and, and mounted them mm-hmm. together, you know, yeah. um, were you able to do that or did, you, you know, I hate, I hate to admit it. Um, I went over and showed Evan the other day, but, uh, I separated them. Oh, so, you separated uh, them. we had okay. that discussion broke so my this, heart. This, this deer was the one that killed the other deer. Yeah. This was the one that so, was dead. So you've got a, you've got a um, typical 10 was the one that was already dead and then yep. you've got a it looks like a typical eight with it's an with yeah, some cool kickers on his main frame on his right side but it, it's pretty weak uh 10th point but yeah we, I mean, we don't use the uh the video on this podcast so we've got to describe what we're seeing to these viewers but uh both of these deer are good i mean they're like 150 yeah. class deer 150 yeah. inch deer um oh. and that the the eight points frame is just as big as that 150 inch 10 yeah. point but it, it's just it's got kickers off of both g2s one of them has two kickers off g2s and another kicker off g3 little g4 started it, it's they're, they're Good pretty, looking pretty nice yep. bucks yeah yeah it was um I, you know i kind of joked around I'm, I'm the first person to make fun of myself so you know, the whole rest of the trip, I was telling the other guys that, the you know, the guides knew that I was such a bad hunter. They had to either tie one to a tree or hook two of them together for me to kill one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we had a good time laughing about it, you know, and, and uh, the the thing for me, you know, I, I knew whitetail hunter, you know, for me, I, I would have been happy. Frankly, with that smaller buck that I passed, I'd have been pretty happy with, um, you know, especially archery hunting. I'm more of an opportunist. You know, I, I like. I like harvesting my meat with a bow. Oh yeah. Um, I prefer hunting with a bow. And so I'm, I, I don't, wouldn't really consider myself a, a, a massive trophy hunter. Right. Um, I just like to shoot something that isn't a yearling, you know, shoot a mature, a, a mature deer. And to, to get two of them, you know, the game warden came out, he put a, he put a salvage tag on the one that was already dead. Awesome. And uh, you know, then I put my tag on, on, on the other one. So it, it was cool to be able to, you know, they let me keep both deer and, Super and the cool. game warden was, he was very appreciative. He goes, thanks for doing this yeah. the right way. Right. He goes, I just appreciate you calling me in. Right. He's like, enjoy seeing this kind of thing. But he goes, you know, if you were to try to take this out and, and not done this the right way, you could have had somebody. Yeah. You, you know, you're, you're gonna trouble. In trouble. Yeah. Yeah. You know, what's funny is this lockup phenomenon seems to be fairly common with whitetails, Mm -hmm. but it rarely, I, I I rarely hear about muleys that get locked up, you know? And I wonder if it just has something to do with the shape of whitetail antlers that are just more prone and how they get locked. So doggone hard. 
And you I know wonder, what I mean? I wonder if the, like, if the forks on mule deer keep them from getting so deep into each other's where you have, again, with a whitetail, you've got your main beam and then all of your tines sprout from there. That allows them to get deeper. And then once they are able to get all the way into that main beam, again, just a little bit of that head tilt as you're trying to, to bully yeah. and push around, that's where you get, I mean, I've seen one, yeah. um, actually I was home this last Thanksgiving and a buddy had found a set and one of the bucks had it looked like he had went to torque his head to gain leverage and had put his main beam into the yep. eye socket of the other buck. Ah, um, and basically the same thing happened is, you know, that buck was, was killed. And then um, the other buck died from essentially starvation and, and dehydration. Um, so they found them both locked up, but that main beam was through the eye socket of the one buck. What a terrible way to go for it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh. Can you imagine? It's just terrible. Like if, yeah, if I was a buck and I was locked up like that, like in a death lock, short of somebody coming in there with a saw and getting me loose and risking, quite frankly, life and limb when you're doing that mm-hmm. with, you know, big bucks, uh, especially if both of them are alive, I'd be praying for somebody to come shoot me. Oh, yeah. Just, can you imagine just being stuck there till you die? Yeah. Like that's, that'd be absolutely terrible and once yeah once the meat's well, rotten uh, on the other buck you know the coyotes yeah. are gonna be feeding on you oh yeah the coyotes are gonna eat you before while you're standing there yep 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 no that's immediately where my head went you know i mean as as hunters i think we get kind of a bad rap people assume we're heartless you know human beings who don't care about animals but there's there's hopefully not a hunter in the world that wants to see something suffer yeah. well, and exactly. uh, yes he was about to have a really bad way out and you know i imagine that deer that's dead on the ground that had been eaten on uh, by coyotes. Imagine he, that's two, I don't know, two or three feet away from his face. There's mm-hmm. coyotes eating another deer and he can't get away. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It, it was, yeah, it, it was in my mind, there was no option. Of There's, this reminds me of a discussion that I've had plenty of different times with people. I mean, number you, you were talking about people thinking that hunters are blindless killers or, you know, they're, they're, they're that we don't care about the animals. Number one, we love the animals more than your average person by mm-hmm. far. I mean, we, we truly care about them. Um, I, I guess that every group probably has a bad apple or two in the group. Um, and I hate it when some of those people give us a bad name, but most of the hunters that I know, yeah, we, we, when we do take an animal, we want it to be quick and efficient. And, and it, 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 when it doesn't happen that way, it devastates mm-hmm. us, just absolutely devastates us. And then on top of that, with a wild animal, like a deer, whatever way their life, if, if their life ends naturally, it's a terrible demise. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know what I mean? Like, the best things that you could that you could hope to have happen to you if you were a deer when you go out one day is to either be hit by a car, killed instantaneously, hit by a, a, a hunter and killed relatively quickly mm-hmm. or possibly by a mountain lion, because a mountain lion at least chokes you out before it does anything to you. Yeah. Every other option that there is is bad 
it's yep. they it's either slow they live so long and- that their that their teeth get worn down they can't eat anymore and they eventually starve to death or they go through a a bad winter and they don't get enough to to eat and they they starve to death over months they get sick they get grow weak they eventually and and you know that's if the coyotes don't find you and the any canine going out by any canine mm-hmm. is a terrible thing yeah. You're you're basically being ripped limb from limb while you're alive. Yeah. And yeah. and like it's it, being hit by a hunter's arrow through, especially if it's through both lungs. One of the best gifts you can give one to, to go out that way. You know what I mean? Three, three to five seconds and it's all over. Nature is a mean bitch, man. Mm-hmm. She is. is. She is. Oh, yeah. She is mean, you know. So I, it, I'm sure plenty of people have thought of that before, but it, you know, what you were talking about reminded me of that. Oh, no, certainly. And, and one thing I was just going to, I mean, pull these antlers back up for you again, but the, the kind of the key that locked them together was this little kicker. A kicker right here, left G2. G2. Yep. If he wouldn't have had basically that other antler settled right oh, underneath that, because he couldn't uh, pull it up over that, it. That so. kicker is not. I mean, most people would count that in line, but it's it's flaring out to the left outside of frame just enough. Yeah. 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 Yep. It's a thick and little he kicker. His, he had his. So this deer's main beam was over the other one's nose. Yeah. And so and and I believe it was this point was around the back of its neck. Oh. So this point here had, had actually cut to the bone on the back of its neck when it was going in and it had just enough force that it popped it up over that kicker over his main beam. And that's what just locked it in. I mean, it it took three guys pulling and tugging, you know, feet standing on one area, twisting on this antler. I thought we were going to break it. Yeah. Finally have a snap apart. And, you know, I've, I've had people, you know, mad that I took them apart and I'm like, you know, the problem together is you couldn't even tell what either deer were. were. Yeah. 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 And and I boiled them out like that. You put it on the wall and it was like, you, you didn't know what you were looking at. And I just didn't feel like it gave either deer justice to see it on the wall. That makes sense. I, I wanted them apart and, you know, I'll mount them together with a picture underneath it. Yeah. Um, probably, Right there in the corner of my office is where they'll, they'll end and up. Honestly, Tyson, spot for it. I mean, we know some guys that that do some really, really good replica work. You could, you could get yeah. those. It's uh, what's that fake Euro school? You could get a couple of those fake Euro schools with replicas and basically redo because you've got the images from when they were locked up with those replicas. Just redo the the lockup and have have matching sets. So you could have your your European of each one right next to the actual replica of them locked up. That would be cool. That would be whatever. And what I really should have done to Evan, my biggest regret is I should have come over to, to, to see you before I separated. I I would (laughs) like to see it. Uh, I know I brought him over to you to show you uh, already pulled apart. So, so that, that was a miss. My my heart hit the floor when I see Tyson walking through and he's got matching antlers in each hand. I'm like, I know the story. That's not how they should look right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, trust me, I had everything from 
uh, you know, an old coworker, you've got to mount them full body mounts, use the cape of the rotten one and have yeah. it in your living room. I'm like, that's going to take up my whole living yeah. room. Tyson, you you need to spend $15,000 on this. <laughs> I, and, and again, I, I think having those bucks locked up again with shoulder mounts could look incredible because of the environment that you could create with them. Is it necessary? Yeah, probably not. Would it be cool? Sure. Yeah, it'd be cool. But the Europeans with them locked up where you can see more detail. I think that would, I think that does them as much justice. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it'll be, we'll, we'll see where I land on it. You know, I'm running out of room at my house to put things. I've got the walls lined and, uh, I'm slowly winning over my, my girlfriend, of, ah. you know, how wonderful. I, I mean, I told her, I said, do you think we go out and hunt because we want to, we're, we're looking for food for you and home to yep. <laughs> it's like going to, to the, you know, to the store to shop for decorations, you know, I'm, I'm doing it for her. And, and, you know, I think I've, I think I broke that in. Yeah. Um, I'm glad I remember, I'm glad it worked with her. It didn't work with my wife that way. <laughs> early, early on in my marriage, I, we, we had the, one of our early houses um, had one vaulted ceiling and one wall there. And, you know, I was, I was given permission to have that one wall and, you know, to hang an elk on or whatever. And, and uh, I hung an elk right there. And I think the next one, I was like, you know, there's just really no place to put this in the garage. It was a deer. And, you know, can I, can I just move it onto this next little spot over here? And then it was (laughs) over. Then it just, then it just migrated (laughs) all over the place. And then we got a house with more vaulted ceilings and boom, it took over everything. And my my wife finally, when I knew she finally just gave in was when she she started. No, it's when she lets you build a shop and continue the collection. Well, no, when, (laughs) when she started decorating with antler decor. Yeah. That's that's when you know it's, you have won won the fight. Yeah. Yeah. I think she came home. The first thing she ever came home with was a light switch cover with some antlers on it. And I was like, Oh, (laughs) (laughs) it was, it was on from there. You fought the good fight, Danny. You you won the battle. Yep. I did. I won that one. I won that one. Uh, Maybe I lost it in some other ways, but I won, I won that part. Yeah. Yeah. But it was, it was pretty cool. All right. Well, um, uh, Man, that is, that's nuts. Um, is this the same outfitter that Hoyt goes to Evan? Yes. Same as yes. so same place. Randy killed that big one a few years yep. back. Yep. That, see, that, was, that was 2012 that he killed that one. Um, yeah. and then they, they had a decent year this year. The last couple of years from out there, from my understanding, haven't been great. Um, and I don't know, again, I don't know if EHD played a, played a role in that. Um, well, but did you ever see Randy's deer, Tyson? Oh yeah. There's pictures yeah. of it all over that house out there. You can't miss yeah. it. And, and did you, did you know the story on that thing? How he, yep. Yep. that little clump of trees and being put up on the crates, basically yep. <laughs> that, that Randy walked the former president of Hoyt. Um, he took a giant deer out here where Tyson's talking about is is something in the two. What was it? Two twenty something. I think it was two twenty four. Yeah. Giant deer. Um, and 
there was one little I like a it, plum thicket. I think it's, some a, little, I think it's the only 200 inch deer that's ever been taken out of the state of Kansas. So an whatever. anomaly for sure. Whatever, whatever. <laughs> um, but there was a there was a small patch of trees out in the middle of a ton of CRP, and in the middle of those trees, and there was a small patch of trees. It was probably what what like was it trees or was it yards thicket? in diameter or something like that? Yeah, like a little thicket, yeah. like a, a, a with a, with small trees, small trees not big enough for a tree yeah, stand. Like, like there, plum, there was, plum thicket, Russian olives, like plum yeah. thicket, brushy stuff, Russian olives, you know. And um, it right in the middle of this thing was a platform where I guess they used to have a ground blind on top of the platform. Well, and the, they were going to put one in there. So they put the platform okay. in there because they knew this buck was living. It basically, it's, it's, well, a, the, it's a square mile, 640 the acres. The platform had been there for a while. The picture I saw of it, the, man, there were some old stuff. Right, because they, they knew that it was a, it was a breeding area. Because they bucks yeah. would take them in there, so that, a hot that platform was in there because of history they've had in that area. They knew that that buck was living in the area and were going to put a blind on that platform again, but hadn't gotten to it yet. Right, and they stuck Randy in a lawn chair on top of that platform, yep. <laughs> like just a. And the platform was only like what four feet tall or yeah, something four, like four, that. Four or five feet, just, tall. just enough to get yeah, four or five foot tall up, up above everything. Just to get a little elevation with the ground blind. And Randy sat up on top of that thing in a, in a lawn chair. And that buck ran right through the middle of those trees. Like he shot him at what? Less than five yards, six yards, something yeah, like that. Yeah, it was between five and eight or something like that. Sitting in the Completely exposed on a platform in a lawn chair. Hey, when you have when you have a hot doe with you, 20. you don't care. Oh yeah, he, yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, he got up out of the grass and had a hot doe with him, and she literally ran right past that platform, and he just spun on him and let her go. Yeah, yeah, there's another crazy story out of that place. Well, do you want to hear my crazy Kansas story? Yeah, we got to hear that. Okay, I'm gonna try not to cry. Um. So we got there right about the same time you did, uh, right at the beginning of November. As a matter of fact, our first day hunting was November 1st. The first day that we were there, um, we found a big buck. I sent Evan a video of it. It's the, he, he was a, a 10 point basically that had his brow tines both broke off. I tried to, I tried to get the coordinates and tried to go down and meet Danny so I could film, <clears throat> film Danny killing this deer, but he, yeah, he wouldn't help yeah. me out. Well, I had a cameraman there and, um, and we were, we were filming this episode of Bohan. Two, two angles is better than one. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and, but regardless, this was a, this is a really big deer as an eight point without his brow tines, we were figuring he was mid one sixties or something like that as an eight. And he was just framey, big, heavy. And, um, you know, we have uh, a couple of walk-in pieces right there that I'm familiar with. I took a nice buck off of one of those walk-ins a few years ago. Um, and then I've got a small patch of cedars. It's private. It borders. It's it's right next door to that walk-in. And I've gotten to know that landowner over the years. And every now and again, those deer will go up into those cedars and rub and scrape and bed down up there. And uh, so we've got access to that too. But anyway, we found this big deer. And he was big enough to where, you know, after a couple of days, we put a game camera in those cedars, got pictures of him coming in there at night, rubbing and scraping, 
ran our game cameras and other places too. And after a couple of days, this is the biggest deer that we'd lay, laid eyes on. And I was like, okay, I'm hunting that deer. I'm going to hunt that deer relentlessly. So I dedicated almost two weeks to this deer morning and evening after him, after him, after him. And I was there during your 40 mile an hour, 80 degree days. It was mm-hmm. ridiculous. We, we were um, all there that same time. It was oh, so perfect. Was absolutely horrible. <laughs> but we, um, we had that game camera that was up in those cedars and at least every other night he would come through there and, uh, you know, scraping and rubbing. I was like, okay, it's only a matter of time till he slips up and he's here during the daylight, you know? And so we dedicated, we sat in those cedars a lot. I mean, a lot. And it worked out to where over the two weeks, there were a couple of different times where we didn't go to the cedars and lo and behold, he showed up during daylight hours, you know, working his scrapes up through there. One day he came up through there with a doe. Um, we saw him three different times out in the walk-in uh, in the CRP locked down with a doe. And I made three stocks on him. All three times I got within 40 yards of him. The first time a, a smaller buck that was off on the peripheral, just laying there watching him and his doe, he blew it up and spooked him off. Um, the second time his doe got up for no apparent reason, we were trying to locate, we knew we were within 60 yards or so of him, but I was trying to figure out exactly where he was before I started grunting. And I'm, I own a decoy company called ultimate predator. We make a decoy called the stalker decoy. And we use those out in that open terrain a lot. They work really well. And, um, and I was about to give him a grunt, try and get him to stand up see the decoy, hopefully come in, try and run me off. And his doe stood up for no apparent reason, started feeding directly to us. He jumped up, did a big loop around her. And long story short, she, I was trying to range him and he, she nailed me uh, before I was up and ready or anything. And he went on red alert with her. I had a 37 yard shot and he ducked the string, went right over his back. Didn't even touch him, <laughs> ran off third stock the doe once again you know i was 40 yards away could see him was just about to pop up on him and his doe stood up for no apparent reason starts feeding and forced me to lay flat in the grass for a second and she looked over at my truck about 400 yards away that had been there for two hours and she freaks out all of a sudden for no whatever like the the sun was shining off side of the truck and kind of had a mirror look to it it freaked her out. She took off and he went with her. So I had some close calls with this buck too. And I hunted him relentlessly. There were other places where I probably could have filled my tag, but I was trying to take him. So the last night that I hunted him, I was like, okay, this is one of the first nights where we had a perfect wind for those cedars. And it wasn't 30 miles an hour. It was slow. It was chilly. It was a perfect evening. I was like two days before he showed up there in the daylight. I was like, this is, this is it. Mm-hmm. I'm you know, I, I am going to take this deer tonight. We go in there and we get set up and we're sitting on the ground. Cause these cedars aren't big enough for a tree stand. They're just smaller, like a shelter belt, like a wind block for the cattle. Mm-hmm. And we're, we're sitting there and, uh, and 
about uh, 20 minutes before dark, right when it's real quiet and I'm sitting there and you can hear everything. And I'm like, all right, he's going to show up. He's going to show up. He's going to show up. All of a sudden I hear something over in the, in the cedars, like 10 yards away from me, but it doesn't sound like a deer. It sounds like a critter, like a coon or something like that coming through the bottom of the cedars. And of course these cedars are choked with tumbleweeds and stuff. It's real thick in there. And I'm like, you know, on the, on our game camera, we have a couple of skunks in here. I don't want a skunk to come walking around the corner and come face to face with me here on the ground and, you know, spray me or something. Uh, so I, I'm just going to peek up you. and he, he's just going to, he's just going to show you his yeah. butt head. Yeah. He's showing his butt head. <laughs> you want well, to be face to face with That'd be the good situation. So. I, I, I just kind of get up on my knee to where I can see what's coming through those cedars at me. And I don't see whatever was making the noise. But as soon as I look back through those cedars, I see it. I saw an antler. And I was like, what the heck? I, the first thing went through my mind is that that's a pretty nice shed. And I raised up just a little bit higher and there's hair attached to that shed. <laughs> and I was like, oh, crap, there's that's a buck right there, you know, and. I'm thinking to myself, is he, is that buck hiding from me right there? You know, like, no, there's no way. There's no way that that buck, when I came, came in here and sat down, that he would lay right there 10 yards away from me, trying to hide from me for like three hours. No way. And there's also no way that he slipped into that spot without me hearing or seeing him. It was just too thick and too close, Mm -hmm. you know? And so I pulled my binoculars up and I'm watching the side of this deer. I can see it's, it's rib cage right there. And I just watched its rib cage like real intently to see if I saw any sign of movement at all. And after a minute or so there was, I couldn't tell that it was breathing or anything. I was like, I think that's a dead deer. So I, slowly stood up and sure enough it's a dead deer it's laying there 10 yards kind of back up against cedars right there and it's dead Hmm. and i was like holy crap i you know that's a that's a dead buck and i walk around out of the cedars a little bit and as soon as i can see clearly there it's my buck it is the buck that i've been hunting for two weeks it is the same buck that oh that I was within 40 yards of three different times. And here I have sat there all evening long, you know, quiet as a church mouse waiting for him. And he's been laying here 10 yards from me, dead as a doornail the entire time. And I was just like, Oh, you've got to be kidding me. You know? And I walk over to him and my first thought is, you know, how did he, you know, did he, how did he die? And I start combing over him and I, pull the hair back and there's a broadhead wound in his side. Mm. And I'm like, well, son of a gun, you know, I think, I mean, I'm the only one that has permission to hunt in these cedars as far as I know. Um, and you know, immediately I was like, I need to call the landowner and see if there's anybody else that has permission to be in here. Right. And I go walking back over the hill toward my truck to where I have coverage. Cause right in that hole where it's at, I don't have any coverage. And as soon as I cross the hill, I see another truck parked next to my truck out there on the road. Mm-hmm. And so I immediately start walking down there and this, uh, you know, now understand I've, 
just discovered my target buck that I've been chasing relentlessly dead 10 yards away from me. I am not very happy. I am none too happy at all. And this, this guy gets out of the truck and he comes walking up and he says, Hey, my name's so-and-so, you know, do you happen to know who owns the, this property right here? And I said, yeah, I know who owns it. Do you know who owns it? (laughs) Do you have permission to be here? And he was like, he was like, I, I, I have, I'm not hunting there. I, I take it. You found my buck up there. And I said, yeah, I found him. And I said, why am he tagged? And he said, he said, uh, he said, well, I, I didn't know who the landowner was. And besides Kansas has E tags this year and I, I don't have a tag put on him. And I was like, Oh yeah, that's, that's right. And, uh, yeah, those are fun. I, I said, well, well, we're, you know, how'd that deer end up dead over in the cedars? And he says, well, I shot him on the walk-in right across the road right there. And he ran up into those cedars and I figured he died in there. And I, you know, immediately I was like, Oh crap that walk in across the road that he's talking about. I had, I had stalked him two days before, three days before, right in that walk in, you know, and it wasn't unreasonable to think that that deer could have made it from the walk in up into those cedars. And, you know, the longer I talked to the guy, the more I could tell he was being legit. And I, I had asked him, you know, can you show me where the blood comes across the road? And he says, Oh yeah, I'll take you and show you that. And I'll, I'll take you all the way back to where I made the shot, you know? So I kind of took a deep breath and I was like, oh, well, he shot my buck. Um, I said, well, you know, the landowner, he's not going to mind if we go in there and get your buck. You know, why don't I'll jump in your truck with you and we'll drive the little road back up in there and I'll help you load him up. He's a really nice buck. Congratulations. You know, so we start driving up in there. And as we're going, I explained to him, you know, I don't tell him that I own a decoy company, but I told him, you know, uh, well, let me back up. I just said, Hey, I've been hunting this buck really hard for two weeks. I was within 40 yards of him three different times. I missed him at 37. He ducked the string on me. How, how'd you end up killing him? And he says, well, I, I saw him out in the CRP out in that walk-in and he was standing up and I stopped and looked at him. I saw his doe laying out there in front of him and he eventually laid down and I went and parked the truck over here and I snuck into about 60 or 70 yards. And uh, right when I got to about that point, another buck comes running over the hill and runs right up on top of him in that doe. And he jumped up and he chased the other buck away. And he said, as soon as he started coming back to the doe, he says, I popped my decoy up, showed him my decoy. And he said, he sprinted into 20 yards and I shot him. And then he ran and jumped the fence and ran across the road and ran up into cedars. And, uh, and I was so me owning a decoy company and you know, our decoys are fairly popular. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, thank goodness, there's going to be a silver lining to this, you know, and uh, <laughs> it, there's I'm, I'm going to have a cool decoy story to tell, you know, some marketing for the company and this and that. And so I said, oh, man, that's awesome. I do a lot of decoying, too. What what kind of decoy were you using? A heads up, <laughs> which is Dude, I don't get it. it is my it's the only other bow mounted decoy out there. It's my primary competitor. I'm, I'm friends <laughs> with the owner, Garrett Rowe. He's a good guy. And I was like, oh, dang, man, like uh, just you. Sh- so I finally ended up telling the guy, man, you, you not only shot my buck, you, did, you, <laughs> you shot it with the competitor's product. And then the next thing I thought was, well, maybe we could do a podcast on this. Well, 
you you weren't you weren't, you don't happen to be shooting a Hoyt, do you? Nope. <laughs> he, was shooting, he was shooting a competitor's bow, oh. and I'm like, oh man! I finally told him, you know, I said, yeah, you. Uh, you, it was kind of like being kicked right you, you square gave, in the nuts yeah, about four nice or five times in a row. You just yeah. teed it and up. I mean, you just can't make the, like the feeling of sitting there and feeling sure that this is the night I've been relentlessly pursuing this buck. He's going to mess up. And yeah, he did mess up. He was dead. 10 yards away from me the entire time, you know, like it's just uh, uh, his worst. That, that's a crazy story though, for that thing to die 10 yards from 10 where you yards. Sit Yeah. <laughs> and how I didn't see him when I walked in there and set up, I came in from the other side of the cedars is what the deal was. If I had come in from the backside of him, I would have seen him laying there, yeah. you know, but I came in from the other side and Honestly, right where I set up, if I had just looked over to my right and down, I would have seen him too. But it was almost like if he if he was a snake, you would have bit me. Mm-hmm. And of, of course, I I wasted the whole evening, you know, sitting there ten yards away from my target. <laughs> well, did you did you ever find what was making the noise? No, no. I mean, I mean, I would assume that whatever it was, because as soon as I saw the deer, I started you know, like trying to raise up and whatever it was probably saw me raising up, you know, so we're pretty sure it wasn't a skunk because he didn't get hit. Yeah. No, I didn't no get tomato bath for Danny. Now that would have been real Don't insult for Danny. That would have been rough in the wound. <laughs> I can't You're even imagine. You're down there checking out the deer and a skunk comes up on you and sprays you. That would have been I can't even imagine, man. But I'll, you know, yeah, I'll, maybe in a couple of years, Danny, I, I'm all about story evolution. You know, in a couple of years, you ought to you ought to add that into the story. Absolutely, uh, absolutely. Just top it <laughs> off. In my family, you know, it's not just hunting stories or fishing stories. Every story, you, you, they're a lot. They're a live story. You yeah. know, it's not a, it's not dead. It, it, so keep, grow, keep that one alive. Yeah, they've got to grow just a little bit every year. Dude, I'll I'll tell you what, man, that was as especially struggling through the weather that we had the first week and a half that I was there. That was miserable. That was just I've had some windy hunts in in Kansas. You know, that weather was ridiculous. I I mean, I've had some warm Novembers, but I don't know that I've ever hit an 84 degree day the first week of November. Yeah. You know, what's interesting with that, though, is that that's the you know, that was the case when we were there, too. But I mean, I, I know very little about the whitetail hunting, but you were saying, Danny, you had, you know, bucks rutting, bucks chasing. You know, obviously, these two bucks were fighting, you know, and it was 80 something degrees the day I killed it. So, I mean, it's it, it, when I went out there, I was kind of asking the outfitter, I said, you know, should we be worried about the temperature? And he goes, we, we've killed bucks when it's hot. Kill bucks when it's cold, kill bucks when it's somewhere in between, with kill bucks when it's windy. He's like, I mean, it was his opinion that it is is cooler temperature better, you know, probably, but you know, it's that, that guy, you know, sounds like that that killed your buck. I mean, he's out there hunting in that same mess and killed a nice deer. And the week we were there, I mean, you remember Evan, I think you saw a lot of the pictures. Mm-hmm. I mean, that first buck was a really nice 10. Um, two other guys shot really, really nice tens. One of my coworkers shot a uh, had four different drop say, yeah, one of them shot, I mean, it, was a, it was a mainframe eight, wasn't it? Mainframe it was like eight, 40, and then he 40 had inches of drops. 
probably, yeah, probably 40 inches falling off of it. I mean, one came down and it was like a, like this, I mean, it was split, you know, it came yeah. down probably 14 inches and split, you know, seven and seven inches, yeah. you know, coming out of the, just the one side. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was a crazy deer. One had yeah. that big club dropping off of it. Evan and I did a podcast with a buddy of mine named CJ Winan recently, yep. a biologist. And we, we talked a lot about the rut. Um, and we got into weather and moon phase. Oh, no, yep. that's, that's the other thing. We had a full moon during that 80 degrees and 40, 40 mile an hour winds. Yep. Um, but like he said, you're, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what the moon is doing. It doesn't matter what the weather's doing. Those does are going to come in right then. The fawns are born at the same time of year, every single year. Those does get bred. Now, the the main difference that he talked about was that in general, all of your deer are more apt to be moving when it's cooler. When it's cooler weather, they're not you know, and and not so windy and everything. They're just more apt to be on their feet and moving. And when you the more does you have on their feet and moving, the more action you're going to see out of the bucks. And when everything's bedded down and nothing's moving, the bucks really don't have a reason to be moving around. Most of them have either found a doe unless they're, you know, dumping one doe and cruising to look for another one. Um they're just not going to be moving around as much. You're not probably going to see as much rutting activity. I didn't, I didn't see, I saw the first bit of rut activity this year on November 4th. Yeah. That was the first day where I saw a, a, a buck chasing a doe, you know, chasing a real hard. That, was, that would have been, that was Thursday, right? That was a Thursday as that, as that cold front was coming through, if I remember right. Um, Cause that's when, that's when we really, I think we hit a spot just right. We had 12 does that morning come through. Um, and up to that point, it had been a, a doe with a pair of fawns here, um, a lone doe there. We we really yeah. weren't finding the population that I was looking for. And we hit that spot just right. It's the property. Um, again, we had talked, Danny, I, I picked up some ground going into it this year that I've never hunted. So I was going in blind, no stand set, no cameras, nothing. And we got in there and we got in late. <laughs> And I was climbing up the tree behind my buddy and hadn't even gotten off the sticks when he told me to freeze because there was a buck behind me at 30 yards already on the ground. And that morning just turned on and it was it was right at the head of that cold front. So, Mm, yeah, I think that's the day we killed that nice, that real nice drop uh, time buck. And we were watching it through binoculars and it was chasing a doe. Yeah, uh, and then I, I ended up shooting a doe. I guess it would have been on that Friday, that Friday morning, and there was a lot, you know, a lot of movement that morning. A lot of bucks chasing does around. So, it, it, you know, I've always wondered that, but it sounds like that biologist kind of cemented it in there. Like those does are going to come in because that's right. Ones have got to be born when they're going to be born. Yep. You know, it's, that's exactly right. They're getting bred one way or another. It's just a matter of how much action you see with deer up on their feet. You know what <laughs> I mean? And, and your outfitter, he's exactly right. You know, if, if a hot doe hits her feet and is getting chased, I mean, the bucks are going to be moving more than they would when it's not the rut for sure. Otherwise they'd just be locked down, you know, bedded down tight like everything else is during crappy weather like that hunt, hunt the does you'll find the bucks 
Yeah, that's, comes that's down exactly to. right. If you can, if you can find the does. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, dude, that was uh, that. That's pretty spectacular story, Tyson. Congrats on both of those bucks. Uh, you know, the especially the one that you actually shot. Um, but it's cool that they let you keep the other one too. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. No, that, I think that was the, the, the exciting part for me. You know, they, they kind of go together as a legacy. I think a lot of hunters like to cement what happened and that's why, you know, people wanted to mount it together, but I think it kind of helps justify the life, you know, it's like oh, yeah. you, you, you honor that trophy. And I know it sounds probably yeah. anybody who listens to this podcast, that'll make sense. But to somebody who doesn't hunt, that probably sounds odd, you know, yeah. in more ways than one, but, uh, be able yeah. to have them both on my wall um, to me and tell that story for the next 70, I don't know. I yeah. probably won't live another 70 years. Let's be honest. <laughs> let's I need try. To make you know, that's the goal. So, <laughs> uh, you know, to be able to tell that story for the next, uh, however many years to me and, and have that on my wall to help tell that story is exciting for me. So, yeah. 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 I don't blame me at all. That's, that is a really cool story. Definitely a good one. And way cooler than my, Stupid. I like yours. I'm just telling you, you got to spray the face by a skunk. Oh. Uh, you know, it'll morph. It'll morph. It'll morph. <laughs> Man, it, 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 I'll, I'll, I'll wrap up with this. The, the following day, there was a, I found a 10 point that was, it was a nice 10 point, like about like the one that you've, that yeah. you, that, that had been killed, that your buck was dragging around. Yeah. It's nice. 150 some odd inch 10 point. And, uh, he was chasing a doe across some of this CRP. And, uh, I had to drive around a section road to see where they were headed. And my goal was to see them, see where they bedded down and go in there with a bow mounted decoy on. Um, and when I got around to the other end and raised my binoculars up, I see that 10 point out in the middle of that CRP fighting another buck. And I mean, they are scrapping. They're trying they, you know, there's, there's, there's sparring matches and then there's, I'm going to kill you matches. Mm -hmm. And they were trying to kill each other. And this other buck whipped him and ran him off and immediately ran back over to this doe. And I'm trying to get the spotting scope on them as fast as I can. And I mean, there was dust in the air for where, from where they'd been fighting. Um, and that other buck and this doe bedded down almost immediately in this deeper patch of yellow CRP. And I, the heat waves were so intense through the spotting scope. I couldn't tell exactly what I was looking at, but I knew that he just whipped this 10 points. But so I was like, yeah, he's got to be a nice mature deer. So I went ahead landmarked where he was and got the wind right and went in after him and got to about 50 yards and I can't see his rack or anything, but I know, you know, that patch of yellow CRP was easy to identify. So I got up in there, got down on my knee and got a grunt call out and just started giving him grunts. He stands up and looks over at me and it just immediately no hesitation pins his ears back and starts coming marching straight to me and as he's coming toward me i see that he has one g2 and that's it <laughs> everything else is broken at the main beam and wow. one of his main beams is broke toward the end so he's got his frame it was a nice frame nice thick main beam but every single tine is broken right there at the main beam including his brow tines he's got one g2 sticking up in the air and i'm like oh i'm not i'm not gonna shoot this buck you know like i just senseless and he gets to about 
15 yards and he's lowering his head. And when they're coming in like that angry, and I've got a buck decoy on my bow, when they're coming in angry like that, they don't look directly at you. It's like they put their head down and they look up out of the corner of their eye at you like, you know, protecting their eyes for a charge. (laughs) And they're, and they're kind of, they kind of walk sideways and they're all bristled. I mean, swollen up like a gorilla, you know, he gets to about six yards and I'm like, Oh, that I might need to, I might need to do something here. He gets to about four and I finally stood up and I was like, Hey, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> I was seriously worried that he was just at any second going to go ahead and open up and just run me flat over. You know, it was intense. It was super intense. Like that's, that's the first time with a bow mounted decoy where I've actually been worried about that. Now, usually in most situations, I would have shot him at, you know, 15 yards or something like that. But once I made the decision, I'm not going to shoot. And I was just letting it play out. He got too close for comfort, man. (laughs) I was like, because if you've ever seen longer than I would have. Yeah, no kidding. Oh, well, I, I guess. You know, I wasn't that worried until he really he started lining me out there at the end, you know, <laughs> and I was just like, oh, it was it was it was a really cool encounter, though. Super so now, cool. Danny, you've got two options. You got sprayed by a skunk, you know, the same day <laughs> or your final day, the next day you were out hunting. You got bored, you know, and and, and beat up. by a So I'm. I'm, I'm helping you generate a story for you. You know, four yeah. or five years, you'll have a, you'll have even a better one here. Well, we had some, we had some action, but that's, that's, the, that's crazy. That's pretty cool though. When anytime you can get that close to an animal, you know, whether you're coyote hunting or elk hunting or, or, or turkey hunting, you know, that you can, you can fool an uh, yeah. animal into thinking yeah. something that you're not. To me, that, that, uh, honestly, the decoy mounted, uh, you know, on your bow, that type of hunting would probably make whitetail hunting even more exciting. Oh, dude, it it takes it to a completely different level. And, you know, I'm, I'm the kind of guy, you know, my favorite species is elk and it's 100% because of the interaction. And I don't care whether I can call the animal in, decoy the animal in, as long as I'm able to do something proactive, I just like it a whole lot better. You know what I mean? It's just more exciting to me. Absolutely. You know, in and in the end, when you're successful in those scenarios, it feels like you had more like you weren't just relying on luck, like you weren't just sitting there waiting for one to come walking down the trail. You know what I mean? And it makes it for me makes it that's 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 the 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 feeling I live for right there is 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 that interaction. That's why we love bow hunting anyway. It's it's a close up game. You know, our. Our hunt begins when most rifle hunts end. And, you know, that's that that is why we love it. We we get in there. We're not usually as successful as those guys for sure. But uh, we have those encounters that are just, you know, super memorable things that rarely happen to those guys, you know. Mm -hmm. So, well, Tyson, um, it was good having you on, man. We'll have to do it again. We sure appreciate yeah, it. No, I, I enjoyed it. Thanks for, uh, thanks for the time and, uh, appreciate you guys letting hear my story out. No sweat, man. No sweat. Oh, absolutely. Thanks for, thanks for carving the time out for us, T. I'll, I'll text you and let you know whether our, whether our big muley buck's still there or not. <laughs>
Yeah. Yeah. Better yet. Text, text a picture of it dead. Yeah. I'm hoping we're going to keep our fingers crossed. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to keep our fingers crossed. We appreciate it. I hope everybody enjoyed it. We'll catch you on the next one. See you guys.